passed away. We wanted men. Welcome to another edition of the Smugglers Galaxy Podcast. This is episode number 14. We're a little loose tonight. We're recording on Sunday evening. Uh, I had some stuff going on. There was a toy show Saturday morning, and uh, I had my grandbabies all weekend, so we're kind of having to to rearrange the schedule. So that's sorry for for being a couple of days late on getting this thing out. And uh, Jason, how's how's your weekend going? How's, How's everything? Just as busy as yours. Like, this is the first time I've had to actually fit this in. Oh, wow. Yeah. So this is great. Good to finally sit down and talk. Yeah, man. How was, uh, did you make it over to the uh, toy show on Saturday? Yeah, I did. Um, I I went late. So I think most of the good stuff was gone. And a lot of the people who I knew had left. Um, But I did pick up one micro piece because I'm into micro machines. It's a carded um, three X-Wings. Uh, they're all battle damage, which I thought was pretty cool. But yeah, that's all I picked up. How about you? You went, right? Yeah, I went. I actually, it was, it was. We went uh, probably about ten o'clock, right when they were getting set up. Uh, they were finishing up. Uh, I really enjoy that toy show because, like I said last week, it's just good, you know, getting out and seeing people. Even a bad toy show is a good toy show because you're you're around around people and you're you're, you're more talking to friends than seeing toys, you know, the toys is an afterthought. It's a good setup because it's over at an antique mall. So when my wife gets bored of me uh, talking to people, she can go run the antique mall and there's a couple of good toy shops in there. And uh, the only thing I really picked up for myself was one of the new um, Hot Wheels land speeders had just came out and the guy had had one for, you know, like four bucks. I was like, yeah, for four bucks, I'm going to go ahead and pick it up. I saw a lot of the newer Black Series stuff that, uh, yeah was out no that was cool to see that stuff and some of the prices were good some of them were i thought were a little bit overpriced uh somebody had one of the uh the only thing i really looked at well they had two things that i looked at was the comic-con version of the armorer that has all the extra pieces yeah uh somebody was wanting like 60 bucks for her and then somebody the same guy was wanting 25 or 35 for a carbonized boba fett i don't know if you do this but i if if i don't know prices i will pick the stuff up that i know and try to figure it out from there. So it's like, okay, I know that that Boba Fett was going around 25, 30 bucks retail. And, you know, it's basically going for retail. So I was like, eh, maybe he's a little high on everything, but I just kind of left everything sitting. I had a big pickup for my, uh, my white Wampa, our, our secret Santa that we're doing in the group. Uh, I was able to pick that mine up some cool stuff that okay. it's not Star Wars related, but it, it was still a, a cool find. When I go to those toy shows, I mean, it's Christmas, it's December. So I purposely wasn't picking things up and I was purposely not asking how much is this because, you know, even though I have the money, I still have other presents to buy and I don't want to put myself in a bind. So that's why I only picked up this micro machine piece because it was just a small thing. Right. I did see some cool, uh, one of the guys there, he picked one of our guy, Blake, that does the micro machines or micro collections. Yeah, he freaking, I, I picked, I saw this lot of micro collections and I was kind of going through it and I'm like, this is, 
got Blake's name written all over it and happened to look up and he was standing already making a deal with the guy at the booth. And I'm like, Hey Blake, come here. And he was just like, dude, just tell me a price on these. And the guy's trying to explain what all of them, he goes, dude, I just tell me what you want. Cause I know what's in here. I could, you know, right. you know I, I could see what they are. So. We're preaching to the choir. That guy knows everything about the micro collection. Oh, it's insane. And he's only like 20 years old and he's, he can teach us a thing or two about micro collections. But on Cyber Monday, Hasbro Pulse released the Vintage Collection Arc Trooper, which is one of the clones. Uh-huh. Um, that was one that I've been searching for. And so I picked that up and it already arrived. Oh, nice. That's pretty fast. It's, all, it's always fun when they arrive the same week you, you buy yeah. them. Because typically it's pre-order and you have to wait months. That's the one thing that kills me, man. Because that, that three and three quarter FET that came out a couple of months ago, it's not going to come out till May. Yeah. And that was like, what, a CG render of it? Something like that, yeah. It's yeah. a. It, it was just like the Empire Strikes Back card, and I I, I bought it just because it was fat. I I still don't know why I bought it. Yeah, I was hoping that this past Mando Monday they would release the Ahsoka, and announce you know we're re-releasing it after that last episode, but I never said anything about that. Yeah, I, I'm kind of thinking they're going to do Ahsoka and a Cobb Vant, and now with the new you know reveals this week that yeah. i think they're going to release all three of those or actually maybe four of those uh at once and get us for more money yeah and knowing hasbro i think there's opportunities there for five five releases but nice. we'll get into that <laughs> <laughs> i'm excited to get into that yeah oh yeah you're right the fifth yeah you're right now that I th- i'm thinking about it and i'm like yep. yeah there's there's five in there now. One, one character could be two, and I don't think Hasbro's going to package it with extra materials. I think they had released two figures. Oh, yeah. Okay, now I was going one way. Now I'm going back oh. to the... <laughs> um, David Prowse passed away this week. Yeah, that was a bummer, man. I know his, his health has been going down. He pulled back from at least doing shows in the U.S. Uh, a, a couple of years ago. He had Alzheimer's, but then I guess COVID was what eventually got him. Oh, wow. But he appeared in A Clockwork Orange with Stanley Kubrick. And he was offered the role of Chewbacca or the main villain. And he picked the main villain, Darth Vader. So he was Darth Vader throughout the, the original trilogy. Do you know why he picked Darth Vader over Chewbacca? Because it was the lead villain. It was the lead. It had lead in it. Right. And, and apparently at that point, he the mask, he didn't know that... Uh, Darth Vader was going to be wearing a mask. Mm. That makes sense because I don't think he and Lucasfilm were always on the best of terms. Yeah, that's another reason why I think he stopped doing a lot of shows in the U.S. is is because he they had had a fallen out. I guess he was only paid seven thousand pounds for that first movie too. Oh wow, which is not a lot, but I don't think anybody got paid a whole bunch of money. For Probably that not. Probably that not. Was- it was a shoestring budget, and look at yeah. it. We're talking about it 40 years later. Yeah. Uh, the other news this week, Lucasfilm Limited is turning 50 this 2021. Right. So they have like a gold seal that they're going to be slapping on a bunch of products, and I guess there's going to be – they're going to be celebrating all of Lucasfilm, which probably includes Indiana Jones and Willow and who knows what else. Yeah. That, it's going to be it's going to be fun to see all the stuff they're going to come out with that uh, – have you any, any watched it? I mean, I know I'll, there's Indiana Jones and all that stuff, but did you? Uh, I've never seen the his THX. Did you ever see that one? Yeah, I never got into that. Or what's the California one? The race car one. American Graffiti. 
Yeah, I never got into American Graffiti yet. I'm sure eventually I'll watch it, but I just haven't gotten into it. I watched it because it, if without American Graffiti, we wouldn't have Star Wars. Yeah. Because that's sort of why he was able to do Star... The, the success of American Graffiti allowed him to do Star Wars. So the only thing they've only released this far so far are the Black Series Archive. They have four new figures coming. Well, remolded figures. Commander Cody, Thrawn. Luke Skywalker and, and Han Solo and Hoth. Both of those figures are in Hoth. Um, and so that's the only thing that they have that logo on. They, they haven't released any other details yet. Like I said, I'm sure the merch is going to be thick yeah. yep. with that one. There was sort of a news article, I guess, to go co- coincide with the 50th anniversary of Lucasfilm about George Lucas talking about when he sold Star Wars in, what was it, 2012 when he sold Star Wars? Yeah. That... Uh, he was just tired of doing it. He basically, he just had a one-year-old. He was looking at it and talking to his wife at the time. They had decided that it takes roughly 10 years to do a new trilogy. In his mind, they were ready to do the sequel trilogy. And he was like, I, I can't do this for another 10 years. Right. Sold the company to Disney and made $4 billion, which, you know, truthfully, if I could make $4 billion, I'd sell whatever I could. Here's an interesting note. He was, what, 69 when he sold it and he had a yeah. one-year-old daughter. So I got to give him props for that, man. I don't have energy for that right now. I'm 41. (laughs) I can't imagine having a newborn. I know. I've talked about it because, you know, my wife and I, we've we're only been married for like six years and we talked about it and it was like, talked about having kids and, you know, you do the math and you do, it's like, no, no, too old. Bless him. He's got what, billions of dollars. So he's got help and, but he would have been 80 by the time he finished episode nine but I don't know. Yeah. What could have happened? What could have been? You never know. But I mean, I know he still has his hand in things. You do see him on the uh, sets and kind of going, I may be jumping ahead, but um, Rosaria Dawson was talking, there was an article uh, that she was talking about how she was able to do Ahsoka. And there's a, there's a picture of George Lucas holding baby Yoda slash Grogu (laughs) That was the Ahsoka. That's the Ahsoka episode. She's in the foreground, or just to the right of that picture, mm. in full Ahsoka gear. That's awesome. I don't think I've seen that photo yet. Yeah, it, it's it's made its rounds, um, but um, it's it's a few, it's a few months old. Really? Yeah, it's been around a minute. I'll have to send it. I'll send it. I'll put it up in the show notes. Maybe I have seen it. I thought it was more recent because, like I said, I've been busy this weekend. But yeah, no, I'll check it out. He was on set for that Ahsoka episode, which was kind of cool. And no one spotted that she was there. Or they all signed a, you know, non-disclosure. Yeah. But I mean, when they released the photo, no one realized that she was in it. Or she was just to the side of it. She's just off frame in that picture. And speaking of that Ahsoka episode, Dave Filoni came out and kind of placed it. Well, he was being coy about it. Here's the quote. It all falls in, this is all related to the timeline of that last episode of The Mandalorian and uh, Star Wars Rebels. He said, when you look at the epilogue of Rebels, you really don't know how much time has passed. So it's possible that the story I'm telling in The Mandalorian actually takes place prior to that. Possible. I'm saying it's possible. So I think it does. I think it takes place right before. That's probably right because I I did rewatch that uh, epilogue of Rebels. I finished wa- after my second rewatch or third, actually probably my third, third or fourth rewatch watch of that Ahsoka episode. I went ahead and rewatched the last ten minutes, ten to fifteen minutes of Rebels, 
uh, just to kind of see where things are. And I noticed a couple of things. Number one, when Thrawn and, and Ezra jump into hyperspace, they take the whole fleet with them or whatever fleet. It's not just one ship, it's several ships. So you had control of all of them through the force? The, the space whales picked yeah. them up. So it was, it was all whatever ships were in that area. So there's more than one ship that they've traveled with. So Thrawn's got a- He's got an army. He's got an army or a navy or whatever you want to say. He's yeah. got people with him. The end, because we were also talking to other people trying to get a feel for it. There, Jason, Hera, Hera's son, Hera and Kanan's son, Jason. Jason Sindula. Uh, yes, Sindula. I guess they are- I guess that's what his last name is, but I don't think they even say it. But long story short, Spectre 7 is what they, they call him. If you look at it, he's 8, 9, 10 years old. So that is going to be about the best bet. Because I actually thought they said Sabine is kind of doing the prologue, or is it, it's an epilogue, sorry, doing the epilogue. She, yeah. I thought she said five years, but she never does. I, she never, there's never a, a, a set time frame. So I really, you know, it, it you know, let's throw 10 years out there, which puts everything in, in line to where that, that episode could happen right before the end of Rebels. Yeah, how, how old was Jason? He was nine? Not, he looks to be about nine. Yeah. They never really say, but he looks to be about nine is what everybody's assuming. Well, in my head, Canon, like I was just saying, she learns where Thrawn is because of Morgan Elspeth, the lady from that last episode, and then she goes and gets sabine and then they go off and have their adventure yeah i can't wait for that i don't care if it's animated or live action i want to know that's a story that needs to be told and i can't wait for it to be told it's just all the rumors it's like you get a spinoff you get a spinoff it's like oprah handing out cars they're going to keep spinning if we're going to spend money and we're they're going to make money at it why not as long as it's good man just keep keep putting out good content yeah i mean you know, look at what they did with marvel they haven't put out a bad i mean they've put out bad marvel movies but they were still decent even a bad Marvel movie is still a good movie. Right. And if they yeah. can do what they did with Marvel with Star Wars, I'm all for that. Yeah, me too. I mean, I love Star Wars and I want it to keep going. And the better the story, the better the uh, the chances that it'll keep going and we'll get more figures. Hopefully no more repacks. <laughs> we'll see. Oh, but Jason, are you ready to get into this uh, episode of The Mandalorian? I am so ready to talk about this finally. <laughs> yeah, this, let's this. talk about it, dude. So if you haven't watched the episode, stop now. And come back to this point later when you've watched the episode because we're going to dive into spoilers and speculation and all the great stuff that we do every week, which I'm so excited about for this episode. Chapter 14, The Tragedy, written by John Favreau and directed by Robert Rodriguez. It was only 33 minutes, but it was the most exciting 33 minutes of The Mandalorian I have seen on screen. Something we've been waiting 30 years to see. Yeah, there's, yeah, there's so much in here. Yeah. So much in here. All right, so let's, <laughs> I'm getting goosebumps. <laughs> All right, we open on the Razor Crest and the Mandalorian is talking to Grogu and he's just kind of saying his name because I think he, he likes the, the, he can't believe that there's a new connection between them that he knows Grogu's name. It's, a, it's more personal now because there's a deeper connection because they have, I mean, names, it's, it's an extremely personal thing. And so there's like a new layer there that they connect on. You know, his name is Grogu. Grogu and then Grogu would look up from what he's doing and Grogu is playing with that shifter knob and Mando takes it from him just to just to see that whole force thing happen again he's like take take the he's holding the shifter knob he's like take it take it and then you know Grogu pulls it through the force and, and he turns and he goes dang fuck 
Mandalorian is so happy to see the force in action that he kind of makes that custom. Grogu kind of gets scared uh, and he goes, oh no, kid, it's good, it's good, it's good. I do have a, a question. I want to get your opinion on this. Do you think it's uh, Grogu and uh, the Mando, is that a father and son or a boy and his dog relationship? Because it was, you know, you couldn't really tell if he's just the dad, the single dad, or the, the dad that the mom's away and he found up this cool new trick that his kid knows and he's going to make him do it. Or is it the boy that his dog just learned a new trick? I think it's a new level of communication that they didn't have before. So I do see it as father and son. Um, I would probably say it's kind of like an autistic person you can't connect with because of what they what they experience. And, and it's like suddenly the the blinds have kind of lifted a little bit and there's this way to communicate and express something you know it's his name he's got a way to call him and, the, and it's just not kid anymore i don't, I don't know you're making sense i mean because it, it is it's, i guess you're right it is just sort of a new a new door is kind of open and then now he can he knows how to get his attention i guess is the best yeah. way to put it you know i'm going to communicate something to you and you understand it now um, and I don't know if they're, I think he was just guessing. Cause even if you think back to the blue red wire, he's trying to communicate and he can't, you know, the, the, the child either doesn't listen or doesn't want to listen or doesn't understand. But for the first time he's like Grogu and Grogu looks, it's like, take this and Grogu takes it. And it's just like, I'm giving you instruction. You're following it. I think it's, I guess at that point, I guess it's more like a dog, unfortunately. That's why I wanted to ask the question, because to me, it was like a, a boy and his dog, because he was just like, hey, Grogu, hey, Grogu, who's a yeah. good boy? Yeah, I see that now. But I guess, you know, what we eventually will see Grogu turn into is like a Yoda, and it's probably not something they, although, you know, when you think about Yoda talking, he's, he talks backwards, so maybe there's a communication issue that they can't communicate like humans, or, and that Yoda was able to overcome it. Yeah, maybe. Did we ever hear Yaddle speak? No, not, not in any media, I should say. Okay. I don't know if in any of the expanded novels he speaks. She speaks, excuse me. I think Yaddle's a girl. I've never read any of the the EU with her in it, so I, I can't can't quote anything. Yeah, but after that scene, they go to Tytham, which is a planet that looks like the Southwest, um, United States, and he takes the child to a Stonehenge place with giant outreached rocks that kind of reach up for the sky. Um, but it's on a, a hilltop, so he can't land the razor crest there. So he, he tells the child that we're going to travel with the windows down to the seeing stone, which means he's going to use his rocket pack to get up there. Yeah, that was kind of fun. And you, you could hear Baby Yoda go, wee! Yeah. And this, this uh, seeing rock looks a lot like Weathertop in Lord of the Rings. I don't know if they did that on purpose, but um, it reminded me of, of that in the movie and in the book. Um, but that might be more influenced. Floney likes Lord of the Rings, so I don't know if that was influenced by that or what. But they place him on the Seeing Stone. There's butterflies dancing around, and the Mandalorian's like, "Do your thing," and the child's just being innocent. And then um, uh, it takes a turn for the best. Yes, <laughs> I, I want to go back to the butterfly flies. Yeah. Uh, it, it, I've heard different connections with the butterflies because they people i guess people are just grabbing it at stuff for the butterflies people have said ezra because it's you know big uh you know he, he can communicate with animals so that may be him showing up but then my wife showed me something today uh apparently there was a i don't know if it's canon or not so it'll you know it may not even be real but there was a like a kitty 
cartoon. And when I say kitty cartoon, I mean kitty, like a kitty short where they were drawn like little kids and stuff. And it was Lando and Han Solo were trying to get some butterfly or going after a, uh, an animal breeder. And apparently he had blue butterflies and Ben Solo was five or six years old at the time. And some kind of way he connects with the butterflies and the butterflies are, they keep the episode keeps hawking on these blue butterflies and Ben Solo. So this guy was bringing a connection with that cartoon to those blue, blue butterflies saying that maybe it's Ben Solo, which would be five or six years old. So that's interesting. It's an interesting thought, but you know, would it really would, you know, would it really be Ben Solo at five or six if, you know, unless they just really, really want to bring Ben Solo into this. Ernest Hemingway, when he wrote Old Man in the Sea, a lot of people were reading, reading that short novella and, and trying to figure out, okay, what does the sea mean? What is, what does the boat mean? What does the man mean? And he like took out a, a full page advertisement in a paper. And all he said was the boat is a boat. The man is a man and the sea is the sea. Wow. And the fish is the fish. So, I mean, sometimes maybe it means nothing. Who knows? Yeah, it could. Maybe it's just, it's just a butterfly. But it was interesting, though, um, going back to, to, to having meaning. There wasn't any butterflies when they first arrived there. And it wasn't until Grogu sat down on the seeing stone that the butterflies started to appear. But it also could be, you know, suddenly this dead place is alive with creatures in the Force. Right. Because the Force does have, you know, weird ways of doing that stuff. Yeah. Go back to the fun stuff that... It's up in the air, flying around for the first time. Slave one. Yeah. <laughs> Empire Strike Back glory. Oh, yeah, that was good, man. It gave me goosebumps. I got up from my chair, and I started making operatic sounds. <laughs> like, no joke. Like, yes, this is, this is it, because we haven't seen Slave One prior to this in The Mandalorian. Mm-hmm. We didn't even know if Boba Fett still had that. I guess we were going to assume that, you know, he was held up on, on Tatooine looking for his armor for a while. Right. And maybe, maybe he was getting closer to Cobb Vanth, Um and he was maybe about to get the armor and, and then he sees, you know, the Mandalorian take it away from him. Yeah. There's a lot of theories on why, uh, you know, why he didn't just go up to Cobb Vanth and take the armor, but yeah, that's, I guess that'll be a story for another day. But then the Mandalorian sees Slave One, he sle- sees someone get out of it and he tries to get Grogu, but Grogu is locked at the seeing stone by the, a force field. It's like a blue field that goes around him. And when the Mandalorian tries to reach in and grab Grogu, Grogu, he gets he gets shot back. How many times are you going to learn? <laughs> you know, you can't get through it. But, you know, he gets knocked out, basically. I'll, well, I think I may be jumping a little bit. but I mean, you're right. Like, how many times can that happen? But each time he's just like, we got to get out of here and I have to try again. I have to keep – I mean, that's what you do when you're a parent. Yeah. You keep going. You just keep trying. The Mandalorian tries to save some time, or not save time, but just, you know, give the child time to do his thing. And he goes down, and and there's Boba Fett. He's standing there, and he wants he wants his armor. They get right into it. Yeah. It's it's Boba Fett, and it's Tamora Morrison again from Attack of the Clones, and he's trying to make a deal with the Mandalorian. And he tells he tells the Mandalorian, which I loved, by the way. He says, I'm a simple man making my way in the galaxy like my father before me, which is a line directly from Attack of the Clones yep. and uh, Return of the Jedi. Oh, really? When did he say, when was that said in uh, Return of the Jedi? Jedi like what? my father before me. Oh, he said that? Luke Skywalker says it. Oh, okay, there you go. 
You failed, Your Highness. I'm a Jedi, like my father before me. Okay. They kind of mashed it up. I'm a simple man making my way in the galaxy like my father before me. I got you now. Yeah, that's that's Favreau again, leveraging you know what came before and making it new. Boba Fett wants his armor. Let's uh, the Mandalorian know that Fennec Shan is back, and she's got a, a rifle pointing at the child. And so you know, if if you give me the um, the jet uh, my armor back, I will give what is it safe passage or guarantee the safety of the child. Right. So the Mandalorian puts his jetpack down, which severely severely limits his abilities this episode, which was kind of um, interesting. He can't fly back and forth. I will get to that in a minute. Because, I mean, he's got his, what, his wrist pad where he was able to control it in the second episode of this season. But whatever. Right. Maybe it, he it, forgot all about that. It limits him. I mean, he's panicked about the child. He's, uh, his sole concern is the safety of the child. But okay. Ming-Na Wen comes back. She was in the previous season as Fennec Shan who um, was left for dead on Tatooine. And then we see on that episode five from the first season, you know, when he's on Tatooine and they leave her for dead, there's a, a pair of boots that walk up and we don't know who that is. And it's, it's 100% guaranteed that and told to us it's Boba Fett at this point. I did notice in this episode, they did kind of focus in on his boots, at least for a second to really hone in that fact that Boba Fett was the one that saved her. And they've been planning this, you know, for a while. I mean, that was written for a point. It was written for this point. Going back to the long game, um, I, I don't want to, I'm not going to get into the Ahsoka thing again, but going back to that Asario Dawson, Desario Dawson uh, interview in Vanity Fair, they were talking to her when um, season one was just coming out. So he's been playing the long game on us for a while. And yeah, it, it, yeah I'm sure he's already in the season, planning season four right now. I was going to get get into this at the end, but I mean, because you've kind of brought it up for the long game and everything. I, I really feel like what they're doing, the best analogy and the best metaphor is, is like a symphony. The first episode of the season, they introduced the strings. The second episode, they introduced the drums, the percussion. Um, the third episode, you know, it's what the horns and so on and so forth. And that's how it was for the first five episodes. And, and so here they're like, watch this. We're going to play the strings and the horns at the same time. And you, you kind of see it together and you're like, oh, this is what they're going for. Mm -hmm. This is the long game. And it's starting to work together as its own symphony. And all the instruments are starting to play together. And you're like, okay, okay. We shouldn't have doubted them because they, they're going someplace. They have a plan. We can get into, into that a little bit more later on. But yeah, I, I, I can feel you, man. Yeah. And so, yeah, yeah, seeing Boba Fett again, seeing Tamora Morrison, um, it was, it gave me all the goosebumps. I, I kind of got off my seat. No, not this point. I'm sorry. No, we'll get to that. There was another point where I kind of jumped up. Right. Um, but yeah, so Fennec Shan was left for dead. Boba Fett saved her. Boba Fett enhanced her. And she's got, you know, cybernetic waste, essentially. Um, kind of like Luke had when his hand got cut off. Right. So the inside of his hand, it was all electronic and that's what she's got now, but I guess it's like her torso. And she actually names them at that point, so there is no doubt. At, yep. at that moment, you know it 100% it's Boba Fett. It's Boba Fett, not a clone. It's not someone else posing. It's, it's Boba Fett. Right. And then we also learned, I thought, which was a very interesting thing, um, something we've, we, we've debated and, and talked about before, Jango Fett was given that armor, um, and, and so he, he's Mandalorian, and which means Boba Fett's Mandalorian. 
100%. Like, it's not someone he killed and took the armor. It's, and they kind of mention it later. He's a foundling. Somebody deciphered what Boba Fett shows on his, on his, uh, wristlet. Yeah. Gauntlet, rather. So yeah. we can get into that in a minute. There's a lot of pull and push on this episode because we want to talk about and break down the episode, but there is just that inner excitement where we just want to talk about everything else the implications the discoveries it's just there's so much with this episode in 33 minutes mm-hmm. well they don't make the deal yet but boba fett explains that he you know he promises the child safety for the armor but that's when they're interrupted by a drop ship um from the sky which to me looked like like a the drop ship from the force awakens but like a earlier version of that if you remember right in the start of the force awakens all those stormtroopers land on was it jakku Mm, that's not Jakku, is it? They're the first scene of the movie. Right. Yeah, the stormtroopers, they land, they file out in attack mode like they're landing at Normandy Beach in World War II. The cauldron on one of the troopers, he had like the red cauldron. It reminded me of The Force Awakens and, and that stor- uh, that style of cauldron than what we saw in the, sh- the sand troopers in A New Hope. Right. Did you pick up on that? Um, A little bit. I mean... I did notice that uh, the one that was doing the mortars, he had a yellow paint scheme, like the you know the shock trooper, that the one that had the flame trooper had a red yes. paint scheme. Yes. The mortar one ha- had a yellow paint scheme going. Yeah, it was like a more mustardy, but yeah, the same kind of pattern as the incinerator trooper, but it was like a mustard color. Right. But I'm I'm gonna call him mortar trooper until we hear differently because I I kind of like that term. Right. But then, so, hey, uh, that could be number six. Yeah, <laughs> could be. There's a new figure. <laughs> Bring it on. All right. Disney's printing money at this point. There they are, and we're giving it to them. But then Boba Fett kicks ass with his gaffy stick. Yeah, that gaffy stick. What good is Stormtrooper armor if it can be broken with a damn gaffy stick? What good is a Stormtrooper, really? Right. Just to scare people and enfor- try to enforce through fear. But they're, they're, they fall over when they get shot. Uh, maybe the density of a gaffy stick is incredibly dense and so it could break a lot of things kind of like beskar steel can stop a lightsaber who knows oh my god dude the beskar uh, you know you're really starting to understand how awesome beskar is in this yeah. episode yeah. or in, in this this season man it's, it's crazy when, when we see boba fett kick ass like that i had the same feelings as when darth vader appeared at the end of rogue one i was so excited because darth vader was scary again and if you if you don't remember, you know, after Return of the Jedi, up until the point where Disney bought it, you know, George kind of made everything more humorous, you know, uh-huh. with, with Robot Chicken, with the Family Guy stuff, um, Disney World. If, if you go to Hollywood Studios, you're going to see Darth Vader dancing and Boba Fett dancing. And um, it kind of took some of the bark out of their bite. And so when Rogue One came on and Darth Vader is just slicing through all those troopers and it's a horror film, these guys are trying to desperately get away because they realize this is it and there's nothing they can do. Darth Vader's, you know, throwing them all over the place. You know, I got the same feeling here with Boba Fett, who was just, he was kicking ass. Right. It, It was definitely cool to see. Boba Fett gets a lot of crap because what does he really do in the movies? He, he points the empire to Cloud City. And that's really all he does. Darth Vader takes the, the rest of the lead there. And then Return of the Jedi, he tries to wrap Luke up. Luke, you know, uses his lightsaber, breaks the rope, slices his gun, and then Han accidentally hits the back of the, the jetpack. Boba Fett really doesn't do much. With this episode, again, it, it's showing that 
Boba Fett is capable. It's just when he goes up against the force or there's someone more powerful like Darth Vader, you know, he kind of is reserved. But if he's able to be unleashed, watch out. Right. And to me, that was probably the most important thing from this episode was, I guess, the justification that Boba Fett is a, a kick-ass character with more than just a kick-ass armor, piece of armor. The one scene where he's like dragging the gaffy stick behind, it was sort of like a mass, you know, it's like a serial killer movie, you know, and yeah. he's swinging it. It was cool. It, seeing him in action was definitely fun. Fennec is trapped on a hill by heavy fire and she uses uh, a boulder that she's kind of hiding behind to um, take out the gun. She pushes this giant boulder downhill and there's a heavy gunner there. What do they call the EO guns or something like that? Yeah, that's a web blaster or something. Web blaster, yeah. Or E-web. E-web, that's what it's called. Yeah, yeah. That's where the E came from. And so he's just trying to blast Fennec and that boulder's coming down like Raiders of the Lost Ark and he's trying to blast that that boulder and it just, it takes him out. Yeah, you can almost hear the da-da-da, da-da-da. But it's in that moment that Mandalorian is kind of left. He's gone back up to try to get the child again and, and Boba Fett sees the Razor Crest has left its door open. And I, I saw a lot of people giving the Mandalorian crap for that. But when he first got to this planet, he doesn't know that A, there's a tracker on his ship and B, that anyone's going to be there because it was a desolate planet. So, you know, if there's no one around, he's just leaving the, the doors to his car unlocked. It's one of those things somebody was asking about the whole Cobb Vant thing. And I'm like, well, that's not the way the script is written. So, you yeah. know, <laughs> that's sort of, you know, because I do know uh, back in the EU, I guess maybe one of the reasons why uh, Boba Fett still has the Slave One is he had that thing pretty heavily booby-trapped and with a lot of alarms on it. So when he would leave yeah. it, it w you couldn't even get close to it. So, but, yeah, maybe that's how the Mandalorian is. I don't know. Okay. But Boba Fett sees his opportunity and he goes in there, and that's the last we see while Fennec is fighting more st stormtroopers on her own. It's just like one on a whole army, a whole battalion. Mm -hmm. There's a cool scene where she kind of jumps off a cliff and, and flips in reverse, and she keeps shooting troopers as she falls. That was awesome. That yeah, that that was probably one of my favorite moments. And it just you were like, wow. Yeah, and that's when another dropship comes in. So there's reinforcements have arrived. And right when they get them all cornered, Mando and her cornered, who pop flies in to, to for the rescue. Boba Fett, yeah. Boba Fett full does. armor. Well, or as full as he had. The Mandalorian tries one more time, get the child, and he gets blasted back. He's like, all right, I'll give you more time. He leaves. But as he leaves, that's when the child stops with his force field thing, and the, the force takes a toll on him, and he falls asleep. Right. And then he goes down to get Fennec, who has been pinned down by Stormtrooper fire, and the Mandalorian comes in to save her, and she mentions to him, we have a deal, and Fennec isn't moving. She's not going to retreat. She's not going to give up because, you know, until they get the armor, th there's a truce between them, and so they're, they're going to ensure the safety of the child, and he's going to give him the armor. And that's when it happens. That's when I jumped up from my seat and I started screaming, yes, because <laughs> Boba Fett is back. Yeah, man. 30 years, dude. 30 freaking Flies years. In, he lands and he starts kicking ass like, where was this Boba Fett in Return of the Jedi? Yeah. If he was there, maybe the Tatooine son has, has you know, aged him well. Maybe. Yeah. That's the other thing. Maybe the trials in Tatooine hardened him even more than he was before. We don't know. That, that was cool to see him back in... 
back in action, man. That's something, like I said, 30 years in the making. Like I said a couple of episodes ago, I would much rather have this story than have him just show up as a background character in one of the sequel trilogies. Yeah, I had all the feels, all the excitement. Um, watching it, you know, there was a, a brief moment after the scene where I'm like, I wish I was in the theater right now watching this with fans because I know we'd be all jumping and screaming. And I do miss that aspect of watching films with fans that we don't have that that communal experience that's the one thing right now is you don't do it like um gosh which one in the prequels when yoda is jumping up and down and spinning and doing all that stuff you know the whole theater erupted which attack of the clones yeah when you know when that happens the whole theater erupts or when you know you see the the crawl for the first time and even if we had theaters right now i don't know if we would necessarily see that up there because it's a show it's a tv show and i'm getting to where the opening sequence where it's the the flashing lights and the the whatever music that they're the new music they're playing it's becoming like the da dun 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 da da you know yeah. that you know it's becoming that yeah. for me it's exciting again it's yeah a lead in which i mean we're getting off on tangent here i think that's what the uh, sequel trilogy was missing they had no fox fanfare Oh, yeah, you're right. So there was it, no way to just warm up. It was just the Lucasfilm logo and then bang, and they would just go into the, the, the music. It was in the crawl. It was, there was no warm up. People realized that 20th Century Fox wasn't doing it. It, it, you, it, it is, it's sort of like Fat Bottom Girls and Bicycle Race. You hear those songs always together, mm-hmm. you know, and, and it, you, you're not going to get it. You didn't have that on the sequel trilogy. Boba Fett. Is, is kicking ass left and right and, and to the point where the stormtroopers like we need to get the heck out of here because there's just no way we're going up against boba fett run away run away and we see boba fett use his rocket firing action to destroy one of the ships and uh the mandalorian says nice shot and boba fett says i was aiming for the other one i don't know if i'd admit that if i was boba fett because you did pull off a pretty epic you know rocket you know aiming that rocket and i don't know if i'd admit that i was aiming for the other one and then oh uh, how many Hasbro Pulse orders have been canceled? I'm not going to cancel it. But I was devastated. Oh, that was, oh, wow. That was, it, I mean, using Western analogies and, and metaphors, that was his horse. Yeah. That's, that's his home. That's all he knows. It's just, that's his horse. It's his number two, is his ship. And, the, the empire just destroys it in a crater and it's just like, whoa. Such yeah. Highs and lows. <laughs> <laughs> that was just a, Oh shit moment. Cause I can't really can't believe that they, they did that. Yeah, they did. Yeah. That would almost be like them killing off, you know, princess Leia or Luke Skywalker in the, in the original trilogy. Credit is given to where credit is due. Chris Porteous, who was on our chat last uh, yesterday, our, our Georgia virtual chat, had mentioned the um, the escape pod that uh-huh. Hasbro included as the first tier, and it's just like, what was the point of that? <laughs> there's there's no there's no escaping from that. It's not used in the show. Um, when they released it, everyone was like, oh, when they, when they released that as the first tier, a lot of people online were like, oh, so maybe this is what's going to happen in episode and uh, in, in season two because we when we first see the ship in the trailer it's limping along through space so we thought maybe he uses the escape pod but it's just like that was a waste of a tear yeah we could have done something else why did you release an escape pod unless you were just sort of 
you know, baiting, you know, putting a carrot out there to see what would happen. <sighs> back out date is mid December. Anybody who wants to back out. So yeah, December 10th, I think if, if, yeah, but I'm not backing out. I'm fully committed. Yeah. Somebody Sorry. did, did say in one of the chat, one of the Facebook, he was like, well, Jabba Sailbarge was blown up and everybody bought that. Yeah, so it's like, does Hasbro go, you know, we want to we wanna make a new HasLab project. Let's do the Dagobah playset. Well, that doesn't get destroyed, so no, we can't do that. And Jabba Selbarge gets destroyed. Let's do, let's do the Razor Crest. That gets blown up this season. They had to have known that going in, but I just, I kept waiting and waiting for something to happen to that ship, and I did not think that would happen to it. So maybe the Death Star playset's next because the Death Star gets blown up. <laughs> maybe we can have a... Uh, Sky Killer Base playset and that gets blown up. Not a Death Star 2, Sky Killer Base. Yeah. Because everyone loves Sky Killer Base. Yeah. Star Killer Star Killer Base. Star Killer Base. Oh geez, Jason, you're messing me up. (laughs) I did watch that by the way this weekend because I had like 45 minutes to kill the holiday special. And yeah, it was for 45 minutes it was worth it. If it was any longer, I think I'd be mad. But it was cute. Yeah. Good way to kill 45 minutes. Oh, we're so messy today because we're all over the place. <laughs> Going back to the episode, after the Razor Crest gets craterized, Dark Troopers fly in. Going back to that metaphor about the symphony, this is, you know, the strings that were introduced in one of the episodes. The Dark Troopers are coming in and they land on that seeing stone. They grab the child and then they get the hell out of there. Yet again, man, Dave Filoni must have played the hell out of Knights of the Old Republic because those are straight out of that book i was talking to uh dutch at the show yesterday and he was like my wife loves that game and he was saying when the you know before the crate dragon shows up she's like that's a crate dragon when it's through the through the sand she called the crate dragon then when they're when the jaw not the jaw was the sand people are cutting them up they go they're looking for this pearl thing and he, ah. he's like what do you mean and the soon as and they're holding up the pearl and She's like that, you know, she's calling all the references and there's one or two per episode in that, from that video game. I just realized that someone was asking Kathleen Kennedy about a Knights of Old Republic movie and she was playing coy and she's like, well, we'll see what happens. So maybe they just pulled a bunch of stuff from that game because that, that does have a big following that Knights of Old Republic and maybe they're just pulling stuff from that and putting in the Mandalorian. They're doing it every episode, man. Yeah, yeah. That's what maybe that's what she was talking about. Definitely tight lip at Disney when they do stuff like this. So I don't know what medium it came out on or what what platform. So, you know, who's gonna, you know, maybe they'll reboot that game, which I, you know, people would go get it just because of the show, man. Boba Fett tries to fly after the dark troopers, but as he gets higher into the sky, he realizes that the Empire is alive and healthy. Yeah, they're back. And seeing the Slave One, that it's just it's so awesome to see a familiar ship like that flying. It's the same thing as the Axe Wings in the first season coming in to destroy that ship. It, it just gives me all the feels. It's got that Empire Strikes Back signature to it. It's it's just a great design. Mm-hmm. And I love driving through parking lots and, and pointing up and saying they got Boba Fett shit from one of those. It's fun to see how Star Wars just takes the inspiration from everyday objects. Yeah, and so Boba Fett's ship was um, the light that hangs kind of over parking lots. It's the that overhang light, the halogen light. It's just one of those pulled apart and added to wings. Right. 
things added to it. I've been looking a lot at the, uh, you know, Mandalorian stuff or, you know, building a bucket and building all that stuff. And yeah, it's crazy what people are pulling apart to put in their, you know, put in their stuff to make it screen accurate. Yeah. So it definitely gives you a feel for how they were doing, you know, using common common everyday objects and making Star Wars awesome. Boba Fett returns to the planet and the Mandalorian is rummaging through the, the wreckage of his destroyed ship and he finds that shifter knob, which out of anything on that ship, that would be the one thing I would predict that he would get because it's got the emotional attachment to the child. Yeah. That's why he keeps it. But then he also finds that Beskar spirit given to him from that last episode, which makes me think this is going to be an important thing come one of these next episodes, that spear. I think what they're planning for is he's going to use that spear up against the dark saber because they, they keep showing yep. how Beskar is, uh, you know, able to compete against lightsabers and how it just, you know, deflects blaster uh, attacks and, Blaster bolts and I really, yeah, it's going to be Mando versus Moth Gideon with that spear. So that'll that be, that that'll be badass. That'll be so awesome. That is a, a battle that I'm looking forward to. Yeah, I just hope we see it this season because this the one thing that that surprised me is we're moving so fast right now. The stuff that's happening in this episode, everybody thought would be season finale. Stuff. Yeah, that's what I kind of thought was that the child would be taken. And so I'm happy that we've kind of shifted that and, and we're going to see a little bit more than that cliffhanger. He, you know, oh, we're here at Tython. Let me find this thing. And, oh, look, there it is. And, oh, you know, it, it was like five minutes. And it was just, it was real surprising how fast things have been moving the past couple of episodes. Boba Fett shows his chain code to um, the Mandalorian, which was embedded into the armor. He's 100% Mandalorian. His father was Mandalorian. The Mandalorian even says like he was a foundling. So maybe that's why in Clone Wars, they don't, res they don't see Jango Fett as a Mandalorian because he's a foundling. He's not part of Mandalore, but he's still Mandalorian. Somebody had, had deciphered that, the, okay. the chain code. Yeah. And it says foundling took into the year the Concord Dawn. Oh. Mentor, Jast, Jaster, J-A-S-T-E-R, Father Fett, Boba Fett. Does that mean Dingo's father was Boba, uh, Boba Fett, or are they just saying? I'm guessing it goes, the mentor was Jaster, or Jaster, yeah. and then it said Father Fett. So Boba Fett, or Django's Fett mentor would have been Jaster, or Jaster. I'm yeah. not sure how to pronounce it. I didn't know if they meant that the father was someone else named Boba Fett. So he's just like naming his son after his father. Stuff that been, been, we've been debating for 30 years, he solves in a throwaway line. Yeah. That's and, awesome. Well, even that is an Easter egg. I mean, you have to dive deeper to find that information out. Oh, yeah. My, my dad was a foundling. And so that makes me a Mandalorian. And that makes my father a Mandalorian, which makes me a Mandalorian, which makes me the rightful owner of this armor. Yeah. And I think maybe it's because of association. I always thought Boba Fett was more of a man of opportunity than a man of honor. And I think it's just because Vader kept altering deals in The Empire Strikes Back. But this, this episode shifted my perspective of Boba Fett because Boba Fett is in the Mandalorian's debt because he's got his armor and he's not going to stop until the child is returned to him for that, that deal that they made. So Boba Fett is a man of honor and a man of his word. They're setting up for a whole Magnificent Seven style yeah. run yeah. at Moth Gideon, dude. 
with it, it's going to be incredible. I'm sure Bo Katan and her crew is going to be back. You don't know about Ahsoka yet, but if Ahsoka shows back up, well, I, I, there's no way for him to get in touch with Bo Katan or Ahsoka. But you think they'd be one and you know one and the same, or maybe he figures it out. Oh, well, no, we haven't got to that part yet. No. The end. But I want to jump. Do you think we've seen the last of Cobb Vant now that Boba Fett has the armor? No. Okay. I don't think Cobb's going to get his armor back, but I think he's a good enough warrior, so to speak, that the Mandalorian is about to recruit him. So they travel back to Navarro. We'll, we'll finish this up so we can get into the speculation <laughs> and the fun talk. Yeah. They travel back to Navarro to see Cara Dune, who's now the Marshal of the New Republic in the Outer Rim. Um, we learned that what she was given by that um, uh, X-Wing pilot was not like a challenge coin, like I was saying. It was a badge, which I think you were saying. Yeah. Yeah, it's a sheriff badge, essentially. And now she works for the New Republic. And the Mandalorian wants Mayfield information about him, who was played by Bill Burr. He needs a sharpshooter so he can go up against um, the Empire. But Kara won't help because of her new role in the new republic she's kind of legitimate now and she has to follow rules but mandalorian tells her that the empire has grogu and um and we believe that we're led to believe at the end of that scene that she's gonna you know because of that she's got meaning and, and reason to provide him the information he needs right well they actually show they she tells him where he's at does does well i thought she was because he asks her a question and she's like, I, I can't help you or something like that because of my role. Right. She was doing that. And then when he goes, well, they have the kid and she went, okay, well, here he is. I thought they just cut. I don't know. It doesn't matter. I, I, I know she didn't. She, Cause she looked through the. Uh... Kind of says something and, but doesn't tell him exactly. She tells him why he was captured and what his crime was. But Mandalorian's like, I need you to tell me where this is. Maybe. I don't know. I don't know. Because she goes through all the uh, mug shots. So they find, yeah, I don't know. It doesn't matter. <laughs> At this point, no. It, it, just, yeah. needs, it just needs a sharpshooter. And, and because of the 12,000 guns Mayfield carries on him, he's the prime candidate for that role. And then we cut back to Moff Gideon's ship and the child's in a cell playing ping pong with stormtroopers, just throwing them around the room. That was so awesome. See, and, and I was a little bit worried for, for Grogu at that point because it's like, is he going to go dark? Yeah. you know to kill and kill two stormtroopers are we going to watch him kill two stormtroopers yeah he's fallen to the dark side he's he's afraid and fear leads to hate hate leads to anger i mean we all know that like the back of our hand um he's afraid and, and he's using the force to just bring harm to stormtroopers and so yeah, yeah I'm, I'm afraid that you know with the force choking that he can do that you know maybe he does turn to the dark side who knows yeah, and it, it was fun watching Marth get, Moth Gideon come in there and, you know, the stormtroopers are getting ready to jump him. And he's like, no, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. And then when he gets tired of, you know, when Grogu gets tired of playing with the stormtroopers, he proceeds to take a nap. And he, you know, says, you know, you've gotten really good with that, but I know that makes you oh so sleepy. And he's just yeah. like, I, I've got you, sucker. Yeah, the child has a weakness. And when he uses the force, it takes a lot out of him and he gets knocked out, which... I mean, going back to the Last Jedi, if he uses too much force to save the Mandalorian, he could he can die. Yeah, yeah, Kill. that's true. I, I wonder if they're going to bring that back. I don't know. But can you imagine Grogu holding the dark saber? Oh my god, that'd be You'll so put... awesome. <laughs> well, yeah, that's another part we haven't got to that part yet. No, where he whips out the dark saber. 
He's just kind of threatening him with it. It's not the first time that Grogu has apparently seen a lightsaber if he was on, if he was a Padawan. Yeah, and he did kind of make it seem like, you know, it's been a minute since you've seen this. Yep. You know, and then he, he showed, he sh- uh, copies the phrase from uh, Christmas Story. You, you'll put your eye out with this kid. Yeah, yeah. Now shoot your eye out, kid. Yeah, it took me a minute to find, to hear that. Uh, Stormtroopers stun the child and they put him in shackles. The Moff Gideon wants Dr. Pershing who's going to experiment on the child again. And the last we see of the, ch- of the child is that he's knocked out in that cell in shackles. Oh, that, that was a little heartbreaker right there. It was. And that's how I thought they were going to end the season. So I'm glad that we, we get to see a little bit more further past that. Yeah. We get to see two more episodes. So it, it's going to be fun, dude. I, I think the next two episodes are going to be pretty freaking action-packed. So what did you think of this episode? In, in conclusion in conclusion i enjoyed it i i don't know i enjoyed the ahsoka one better maybe because it was more shocking to me or maybe i don't know I, and i'm a big boba fett guy and yeah. you know i i enjoyed seeing him don't get me wrong but maybe i knew you know you knew it was coming and then just the reveal of grand admiral thrawn in the episode before was a shock to me uh more than seeing boba fett in his armor even though it, as awesome as it was seeing it in his, in his armor the shock of hearing Grand Admiral Thrawn meant more to me than seeing Boba Fett in his armor. I get it's weird saying that, and I feel really bad saying it, even though you know, even though it was a great episode, and it's something you've waited, you know, thirty years to see. Right. I mean, what what was your thoughts on it? I loved it. I mean, I hope that came through in reporting. <laughs> oh, it did definitely did. I mean, this was just made me feel like a kid again. Like, it's been a long time since something like this had made me jump out of my seat and, and start screaming yes. Yeah, the, the second go round, it did, uh, when, you know, Boba Fett showed up, You are t- I did tear up a little bit. I didn't do it the first go round, but the second go round it was. And maybe because I watched it with my grandkids, and when Boba Fett comes in, my grandson was just like, it's Boba Fett! So, you know, just, it, it was it was fun watching it through their eyes, uh, you know, and seeing it for the first time and seeing that joy and that wonder of star Wars. And, you know, they, they're all into baby Yoda and we actually, for his, he had a baby Yoda cake today for his, his little birthday. We had a little birthday cake for him. Uh, his birthday's not for a couple of weeks, but I'm not going to get to see him before then. So we did a little birthday cake and had baby Yoda and got him a, got him a full freaking Mandalorian sweatsuit. It's just a sweatsuit, but it's got the Mandalorian armor on it and it's got baby Yoda on the pants and, you know, it's just, it, it's cool watching Star Wars through his eyes. And, you know, the second, second watching with him meant, I think, you know, it meant a little bit more. Yeah. It's awesome. Yeah. It's always great to have that connection through Star Wars. Yeah. It's, it's, it's fun. Um, so if they are assembling a uh, magnific- magnificent seven, it would be the Mandalorian, Fennec, Boba, Mayfield, probably Kara, probably Cobb. And who's that last person? Um, I think it's got to be, it, it's either going to be Bo, Katan, and her crew, the three, the three bandos, those two mandos. Huh? That's Magnificent, what, 10? Yeah, I think it's going to be more than seven. Magnificent nine? Nine. And then you've got to throw those uh, X-Wings in the mix, dude. It just, it hit me while we were talking. It's like, what's going to go on with those X-Wings? Yeah, they got to call back because they're looking for information. So the Mandalorian's going to lead them you know, or maybe it's a squad of X-Wings, you don't know, and then does that bring, you know, Ahsoka back into the mix? Because they they totally threw me for a loop having Boba Fett hunt him down, 
you thought that he was going to end up back at Tatooine and that's how Boba Fett was going to find him. Yeah. It's cool knowing that Boba Fett, he, him and Boba Fett and the sharpshooter, they're tag, you know, they're a team now and Boba Fett's going to stick with them till, till the the child's back. So, you know, we're, we're going to have Boba Fett in this episode, in this season or, you know, in this, uh, show until the child's back that's awesome i'm so excited (laughs) more boba please yes and and i'm wondering you know are we going to see more mando without his helmet on because you realize as soon as boba had that helmet on he was taking it on and off just like everybody else was we'll see if that changes yeah i have a feeling it's going to change his attitude towards the the taking off of the helmet's going to change i'm sure especially after all the rumors about pedro wanting his mask off more (laughs) right yeah, it's it's got to happen. And, and you know, you, like I said, you don't pay somebody like that, that kind of money and put them behind a mask. Quoting more of the, the people that inspired me, Alfred, Hitch, Alfred Hitchcock said, you know, you introduce the gun in Act 1 that you're going to use in Act 3. Mm-hmm. So if this episode is part one of a three-part pa- three finale, then I think the cliffhanger will be who responds to the seeing stone. Oh, dude, we hadn't even got into that yet. You know, George Lucas also does the pattern of rhyming. Uh-huh. If you, I mean, his whole philosophy is, you know, Anakin lost his hand in Attack of the Clones. Luke loses his hand in Empire Strikes Back, which are both the second movies. And so George had this whole rhyming thing that he kind of saw his movies as, as part of. So if they're going to continue that pattern of rhyming things, the last shot of season one was the Darksaber igniting. So do we see just young Luke opening his lightsaber? I don't know, but I could see it. Is that jumping the shark, though? I guess it depends on how they do it. You you had said that in one of the chats about having the 007 uh, theory behind it, how they kept, you know, they changed the double, they changed James Bond every few movies. So you don't get to, you know, have that, you have the connection with them, but then it changes and we're just like, okay, they got a new James Bond. Yeah, I mean, you know, they got a new Han, we basically have a new uh, new Ahsoka, Rosario. Tom Kane does the voice of Yoda. And I think we need to look at these characters more like James Bond. And we need need to expect new blood. And I think we're going to get a new actor to play Luke. I think Luke might come back. Have you seen the guy that played Bucky or yeah. Winter Soldier? Yeah, I think he's, I think that'd be a great candidate. That's that's who I'd want. Yeah, I think, I think they, they've been saying that since uh, the sequel trilogy came back out. I mean, I have a lot of issues with Ahsoka being alive still because watching the original trilogy without the context of everything else, you really felt like it was a dystopian environment for Jedi. Like, Luke was it. But now we learn that there's Ahsoka, there's um, what's-his-face from Jedi Fallen Order, there's Grogu, there's this, there's that. When Yoda says, you know, when Obi-Wan says, that boy's our last hope, and and Obi-Wan, Yoda says, no, there's another. It's like, well, no, there's like three others. There's four others. There's Ezra still alive. The only thing I can think of is maybe that was the only ones they knew about. Cause I mean, you do, when you, when you uh, go back and you read uh, a new dawn, which is linked to rebels, which is Kanan and Hera, how they meet. Kanan had kind of hidden himself in the force and maybe that they don't know anybody else because they, they have been hiding in the for you know, hiding from the force. So they can't reach out to them. Star Wars is one of those things, man. You just, you don't know what could happen. And then they do something and you're like, you know, that don't look right. But then we're like a week later. Oh, it's, it was awesome. As much as I would love that ending with Luke opening his green saber. I think the other thing that will make me lose my mind a little bit more mm-hmm. 
is that Moff Gideon goes in to report to somebody higher that he's lost a child. And all you see is, is one of those Imperial chairs turn around and someone opens their eyes and it's just glowing red. They're completely in dark. You can't see their face. All you see is their eyes open and it's red. And it's, you know, everybody will know that's Thrawn. Dude, I just got goosebumps for it. You talk it like that. I will be like doing cartwheels in my room. <laughs> that, that'll be the same thing as the seeing the Darksaber last, you know, the end of last season, because they, it is, it's, it's, it's just enough to where, you know, if you know what's going on, you know, you know, yeah. Uh, yeah. if you know, you know, and if you don't, you better yeah. catch up, man. This is, this is heir to the empire territory. We are five years out after return of the Jedi and Thrawn was in charge. And if Thrawn is in charge again, Mm-hmm. For, for real in canon i mean that would just oh yes <laughs> <More of it. laughs> dude i want to see that so bad and, and now they're there i mean thrawn is coming back because there's rumors of of lars was it lars yeah. that we were saying last week there's rumors yeah. of them talking to him he'd be a great actor i mean he looks like thrawn he ta- he talks like thrawn because he used his voice in rebels yeah and he he's a commanding um he's a commanding actor he's he's legit and i think he can carry thrawn the only issue is moff gideon is essentially thrawn right he's a uh, logistic logical thinker tactical strategic one step ahead of all of the people that he's playing against and that's how thrawn is but maybe you know thrawn also prides himself on working with people like him mm-hmm and mentoring them and that that goes into a lot of those newer books is that he's mentoring people the the only the the only thing i would say moth gideon is not thrawn is because of his ship his ship is a light is a mid-class ship and somebody that would have that authority is going to be in a full-size star destroyer just to clarify i don't think moth gideon is thrawn right i just think maybe he's the protege okay yeah so yeah but could you imagine seeing that star destroyer come up and seeing those dragons on the bottom of a freaking yeah. star destroyer. Yeah. Yep. I can. I don't <laughs> want to get set on this idea. Oh, we'll get Thrawn ornaments. We'll get new action figures. Oh, they're, they're already re-releasing the Thrawn archive. So yeah. in with- the black series. So, I mean, they're, they're setting it up. Something's going on with Thrawn. It's either, you're either going to see him in this season. You're going to see him in this show or they're doing, I really, truly think the Ahsoka show is going to be season five of Rebels. That's going to be the, it's going to, they're going to combine the two and it's going to, that's what the Ahsoka show is going to be. It's going to be a couple of seasons of Ahsoka and Sabine looking for Ezra and Thrawn and it'll be, they'll throw it, they'll shoehorn it somehow into the middle of the Mandalorian in the same timeline and it's going to be freaking amazing. And I think that's why, I liked last season, last week's episode better because it got me thinking more than this episode did. Even though I love Boba Fett, you know, there was more, oh crap, last episode than there was on this episode. Yeah, I can see that. There's more um, galactic ramifications, maybe. Yes. This one was more personal. I mean, the, the, only, the, the only true secret you saw in this one was Boba Fett is a true Mandalorian now. Yeah. So, okay, that, you put that to, to bed. Uh, and he's got his armor back and Slave One's around. And now him and the Mandalorian and the sharpshooter, they're all, you know, they're teaming up now. But Mandal- the Mandalorian has been stripped down. He's got, he's been, 
the person he cares about the most has been taking, taken away from him. Mm-hmm. And the thing he cares about the most, his ship has been taken away from him. He's lost it all, man. And so he's got nothing left to lose and he'll do anything to get that child back. Yeah. So what are your thoughts on the Razor Crest? Do you think he'll, what are his ship? Do you mean, I mean, right now he has no need to get another ship because he's teamed up with Fett and Fett's going to take care of him. But yeah. Do you, you know, are we going to see another one? I mean, I know Fett did a slave too, but I looked at that ship and I mean, it kind of looks like a, the Razor Crest, but it, you know, it's the same styling, but that's it. It's just because it's got the, the ship, the engines behind it, you know, where the rate, like the Razor Crest does, but that's about it. Yeah. So wait, is Boba Fett slave one or slave two? Boba Fett slave one, but in can in the EU, he does come up with a slave two. Okay. Maybe. Who knows? Yeah, I don't think I don't, uh, the Razor Crest is gone. That's not coming back. He's going to get another ship, and it's going to become another Haslab project at some point. I'm sure of it, but they're going to do something. Yeah, I don't know what else is left. It would have to be something new. Oh man, <laughs> I just thought of something. And wouldn't it be funny if he got another Millennium Falcon, Millennium Falcon, or another <laughs> YT or what's the, ship? Yeah, what's the one from Shadows of the Empire? Oh, the the oh, Outrider, yeah, yeah. Some, Outrider, yeah. yeah. Pull that in. Oh Although God. it doesn't seem like they're leaning too much on that cannon to pull into the new the new cannon. That would be crazy if the Outrider showed up. That'd be cool. I thought that was a great episode. I'm really looking forward to these last two episodes. I don't know what to expect. I'm I'm excited that Mayfield's coming back. I don't know why I keep coming back to that character. Maybe because he just doesn't care, and we don't see many smugglers anymore like han solo i maybe that's why maybe he reminds me a lot of han solo before a new hope like that's he just doesn't care he's he's in for himself and he's i don't know i'm rambling i i like that character he does such a good job with that character too but yeah you're right he's just he's a loner and just doesn't care i mean and then does does bringing him back or are you bringing that crew back uh you know i mean how tight of a crew with, with those guys are you going to see them again because you know, they, they we left them in a, in a jail cell. Clancy Brown is another one of my favorite actors, and he was one of those heavies. He was the heavy in, yeah. in that group. So if he came back, that'd be awesome. Yeah, I have a feeling we're going to see both of those, you know, that whole crew again, too. So maybe he's just going to, you know, bring a whole bunch of people back together. And, and, and then, you know, while your mind's running, I, I guess, you know, I was thinking about this a little bit. You know, what if they're like, well, I need a ship. And they're like, well, I, I know a fast ship. And then the ghost shows up. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I mean, that's where my mind is on it this. It always crap. goes back to Rebels with you. It does, dude. I mean. Maybe I, we'll see I, an Inquisitor. Yeah. Oh, well, dude, there was theories, man. Look at Moth Gideon's armor versus an Inquisitor's armor. It's the same armor. It's very close. So is Moth Gideon an Inquisitor? I didn't even consider that until you just mentioned it. I've seen people talk about that. I mean, oh, it, it does always go back to Rebels for me because it just it's a story left untold. When we said about our Star Wars story, you, you find something that you fall in love with, and to me, that's Rebels. And I, I just, I can't explain it. Those characters are, are incredible, you know? And, and even when I watched the last 15 minutes of, of it the other night, you know, on top of watching here, just hearing Grad Anvil Thrawn's voice, then I went and list, watched the last 15 minutes of Rebels, and I was a basket case. I think, I think Dave Filoni is just a master storyteller. For whatever reason, George Lucas picked him for Clone Wars. 
Maybe he saw talent. Maybe he saw a little bit of himself. Um, but Dave Filoni really has, for the lack of a better word, the force. He's got the force of Star Wars in him. Yeah. Um, and I think he's, you know, with the back and forth that John Favreau had at, at Star Wars Celebration, you could tell that they collaborated really well, that Dave was learning a lot from John. John was learning a lot from Dave and his his knowledge of Star Wars and probably guiding John through, well, you got to do this now and you got to do that now. If you're going to do this, you have to introduce that. I think, you know, we just have to have faith in those two and, and the story that they're telling. I worry that they're not involved with any of the other things like Ahsoka. I'm sure Dave's going to be involved with Ahsoka, but Rogue One, the, the Kenobi series, I worry that that's not going to be as high of a level as the Mandalorian is. Probably won't be, but Disney's going to learn that, you know, just give it all to Dave Filoni or at least let him have his hand in it or, you know, or let's let him pick the showrunner and let him at least get stuff off the ground and, and still oversee it. Maybe not be into it. Like, I don't know, man, but But resistance was executive produced by Filoni. Was it really? Yeah. He didn't really have a lot to do with, I don't think the story in the day to day, Uh but for whatever reason, I can't get into that one. I watched the first season of it and then I was like, eh, I enjoyed it because it was a lot of kit bash stuff. And that's the stuff I love about star Wars. I guess maybe the animation, maybe they tried doing it to anime or something, but style. Yeah. But I I couldn't get into it. But Filoni, I don't know how involved he was. I don't think he was involved as rebels or clone wars, but you know, the more involved he is, I think the better the story that the the series is. Uh, Speaking of, of rebel of clone wars, I did go back and rewatch Ahsoka versus Darth Maul and she's holding her lightsabers right side up. Oh, was she? <laughs> yeah. So So if she's holding the hilt, it's pointing up, not down. Yes. Yeah. Correct. So she, she fights both ways. Right, we're getting into tangents, but that, that whole <laughs> battle itself was amazing. They they even brought Ray Park back to motion cap some of that. Yeah, that that yeah, they motion capped that whole battle, dude. That was that was one of the best lightsaber battles ever in star wars and i think they finally have understood you know what people want to see yeah that one and ray versus kylo versus the guards in the second movie last jedi was that last jedi the second one yeah force awakens oh, okay. jedi and, and rise of skywalker see i suck that bad at naming stuff but in that one in the last jedi was was an amazing was one of my favorite lightsaber uh fights yeah. just because there was so much stuff going on in it yeah i agree I like that one a lot. I think I'm in the minority where I, I enjoyed The Last Jedi. It was a good it was a good movie. I mean it, it's different. We'll we'll it, get into the, all of this. Yeah, stuff. well one day we'll get into that. We're talking about what we could talk with. The, the Mandalorian has kind of spoon fed us, uh has been a godsend for this podcast because we don't have to think a whole lot. The le- yeah. you know, it, it gives us eight weeks worth of podcast. Yeah. It's like here. Talk about this awesome show. And then they're going to do uh, Disney Galleries again, The Mandalorian Season 2. So we'll be able to talk about those shows. Hey, what would you think about the making of this episode? <laughs> It'll be awesome. When scene one, Jen Favreau sits down with Dave Filoni and they start talking about it. <laughs> <laughs> We'll see. Oh, but anyway, yeah, I think they're going to go after next se- next. Next show, they're going to go after uh, Mayfield, get him back, and then kind of bring him into the fold. And we're either going to see an all-out battle in the last uh, show, or we're going to see it start. And I, I can't wait. The, the next two, if they keep it, it went down with Frog Lady, and then it's been freaking play, you know, shooting skyrocketing straight up ever since Frog Lady. So hopefully, we don't get a Frog Lady next week. <laughs> <laughs> 
Okay, so John Favreau uh-huh. is directing this the eighth episode. Um, and then Rick, I don't know how to pronounce his name, Fem, Femiu, Femiuiwa. Uh-huh. I, I, I deeply apologize for not pronouncing last names because I, I get that myself. He directed a couple of the episodes of the season one. So he was involved in season one. He's directing the next episode. So he's a returning director, just like um, Bryce Dallas Howard was. I don't recognize the name. Has he done anything? Oh uh, Yeah, he did um, The Wood, Brown Sugar, Talk to Me. Dope, I think he was nominated for something. Okay. Um, but yeah, so he's coming Oh, okay, back. I know who that is. That's the, yeah. okay, I know who that one is. Yeah, so he's coming back. But, you know, Favreau directed the first episode of this season on Tatooine. So I think that eighth episode is going to be really special. Okay. That last, that last episode of the season. If he's writing most of these episodes, mm-hmm. he's going to cherry pick the ones that he really wants to tell, just like Dave Filoni picked Ahsoka. So, you know, that first one was like a mini movie. Right. Tatooine. And so this what eighth episode in the season is just going to, I think it's going to be special. Right. Because he, ha- he handpicked that for himself. Awesome. So I can't wait to talk about the next episode with oh, you. Me neither, man. Hopefully. Like I said, they keep getting better and better in this season. So let's... Uh knock on wood for killer two episodes oh and we can tease that next week is going to be sort of live we're going to have a live studio audience as we talk yeah next week i'm gonna have a uh we're doing a meetup at my house for the star wars club so we're gonna shoot uh shoot we're gonna record the uh episode live so you're gonna hear some it'll, it'll be interesting it'll be a little bit more raw and yeah. uh maybe be able to take some live questions from the studio or, audience or opinions i would love to hear other people's opinions yeah, so maybe we'll have some people sitting in. So next week will be fun. It'll be different. So yeah. look forward to that. So cool, man. Jason, thanks for sitting in. It's I know it's getting late. We've been talking at it for about an hour and a half. So uh, I look forward to seeing you next Saturday. And uh, hey, anybody, shoot us an email, smugglersgalaxy at gmail.com because, you know, we'd love to get some listener emails or opinions or tell us that you love us. Tell us we suck. Something, man. I, just some some kind of feedback. But I mean, we you know, we keep the numbers keep rising. So we must be doing something right. So thanks, everybody, for listening. Jason, thanks for joining me on, a, on another edition on episode number 14. This is the way. Boba Fett's back, bitches. Yeah.